The Voyage of the Page Turner. Episode 2, Journey Under the Sea. Well, hello Voyager. Welcome back. Yes, episode two of Voyage of the Page Turner with me, Colin Lego. That was Sam at the start there. Sam, our voiceover man, telling us it is episode two. Lots of you have been on Twitter already saying that you like Sam's voice. Maybe he should read the stories, but that's not happening. So yeah, you're stuck with me, Colin Lego, and welcome back to this podcast where me and a guest make our way through one of the adventure books from the original series from back in the early 1980s. If you haven't listened to episode one, or you should, you should, it was a bit of a tester. Me and my best friend and comedian Rob Tofield made our way through the first book, which was The Abominable Snowman, with various degrees of success. Uh, Without giving too much away, Rob didn't have a long adventure. But I think that's the beauty of these books. When I was reading them back in the 80s, you know, you could have a long adventure or a totally short one where you fall down a ravine in the first two minutes. I went onto the website goodreads.com to see what people were saying about these books and readers have reviewed them recently uh, again with various degrees of success lauren says on goodreads.com she rated it one star uh, she says rereading one of these books as an adult made me realize i was completely correct about how i felt as a kid they completely suck So, Lauren clearly didn't have a good experience, whereas Yolanda, she rated it five stars, she says, When I was a kid, I couldn't get enough of them and enjoyed the multiple endings, LOL, LOL in capitals. So what Yolanda has done as an adult has reread the book three times to get different outcomes to see how long or short her journey would be each time. So the first route she took, it says, I must have made a few bad choices because it didn't take me long for my character to wake up in bed from a bad dream. Fair enough. That would have been quite a short podcast if it was a podcast. Route 2, she says, This wasn't a super long adventure either, but I did find my friend and quenched my thirst for knowledge. Maybe there was a Yeti library. Okay, and the third and final one. I found myself in quite a long adventure, full of wisdom and some supernatural stuff. I might have lost track of my friend and ultimately decided to go back, but at least I did come face to face with an abominable... I I mean, she, she can probably say abominable snowman more than I can. But anyway, she met a Yeti. So what I'm trying to say is these podcasts are going to be different lengths depending on the choices our guests make each week. So yeah, we can have some fun with that. And of course, if you want to get in touch with the show to say how you've been enjoying the books or the podcast you can do that on twitter i am a page turner show that's at page turner show or a simple email to say hello we are voyage of the page turner at gmail.com so today i am joined again by a guest and this week i am very excited because my guest is a fellow punster we are both pun champions so there might be some wordplay as we go along this adventure hopefully not too much because i don't want to distract from the actual story but let's find out who's joining me this week and if they can make some good decisions rob thomas is an award-winning stand-up comedian and the 2018 UK Pun Champion. Described as an actor who has razor-sharp wit and a quirky physicality, he clearly has the skills to make people laugh. But will these skills be able to keep him alive? Let's find out as we begin the Voyage of the Page Turner. Rob, welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner. How are you feeling about being the Voyager? Obvious... um Mild apprehension, pleasure at the um, C.S. Lewis uh, Narnia pun on the uh, the book title there, yeah. on the podcast title rather. Mm. Happy to be here and uh, I have no idea what's coming up. 
well we don't really you get to choose your own adventure you are totally in charge are you an adventurous person yeah i think i am yeah in fact no i know i am yeah Mm. i know people think i am and i think i am to sum it up i would say i will always take the risk yeah and and i I always have an attitude which is a sort of life's too short kind of approach Mm. to things so i'm in my 40s now and you know i'd say when i ticked 40 something started happening where i started thinking okay there's the end of life over there in the distance (laughs) and so even big risks moving house moving location moving city you know all that Mm. kind of stuff Uh, obviously i weigh it up but there'll be a strong appetite for it in me it mm. was yep. getting into comedy was that a risk or was that just something that felt natural to you yeah it comes from the same place really mm. uh, just i've always thought i've had a science and computing kind of career path initially from mm. from sort of uh, leaving school and going on to study and all that but i kind of all along knew that i had a side of me that wanted to be a bit of a performer yeah. um i did hospital radio and then i did some stuff for bbc but it was always on the side so i was always trying to hold that tension between the sensible path and the crazy path that never earns anyone any money uh, <laughs> you no know, i tried making my own magazine i did amateur dramatics you know i just i just needed that part of uh, as, wow. as a kind of outlet and i've done some crazy bits of traveling and i lived in albania for 3 years and learnt the language and kind of like became one with the locals <laughs> uh, i i really prided myself in that i cracked that aspect of it i learned the language so kind of well and colloquially that mm. i could join the local running club and go out with these crazy old guys talking about the farm and i mean your your life like you're saying about traveling and you know doing all these uh, adventurous things you're ideal for this podcast i didn't realize how uh, how adventurous you were this is amazing I, I guess the main criteria that I have met uh, is that I am still alive. <laughs> so whatever choices I've made over the years, whichever route I took with the running pack uh, in uh, Albania has not killed me. So if I can, if I can keep that fact true mm. for the next whatever it is, X minutes, then we're going to crack this thing. I hope so. Uh, the, now, and these books, they are, they are very much you either win or you lose, as we found out in episode one. I don't want to give anything away, but that was a very okay. short episode. These books by R.A. Montgomery, are you aware of this series from back? The, the, the earliest one was 1978. Were you wow. reading this stuff back, back then? I was doing the uh, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone series, which was the Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Uh, that was the name of that series. They had books called Citadel of Chaos, Forest of Doom. Um, they were all kind of Dungeons and Dragons type settings. Mm. And then I do vaguely remember this series, and I remember clocking that they covered more sort of um, they covered a wider range of topics. Mm. It wasn't just the kind of warlocks kind of world. Whether I did any, obviously it's a long time ago, can't remember, but I, I did do these things. Yeah, I was a big avid comic reader. I read the Beano and the Dandy and then I got into 2000 AD. Yeah, I just loved that whole, there's another world out there kind of way of thinking. Yeah. Let, let me take you back to when you were maybe seven or eight or nine and going on an adventure. I'm going to ask my guests every week what their snacks would be if they were going on a hike into a woods. I don't know how, where you grew up, Rob, but if that was an option yeah. to go into a tree house for a, like an afternoon, yeah. what would yeah, be your was... 1970s, 80s snack choice? Wow. I can tell you pretty much the whole list. So, uh, I am a world-class consumer of salt uh, and salt-based products. Okay. So, um, 
there would be not just one type, but two types of crisps. Oh, yes. Uh, there would be um, as many space raiders as uh, my uh, parents would uh, give me pocket money to afford. Mm. That would be the pickled onion flavor. Absolutely brutal, oh. smash you in the face, humming breath for a week, uh, alien-shaped maize-based snack. Yeah. And then it would be um, its close bedfellow, the Monster Munch, oh. um, which also had a pickled onion flavor and, um, and a beef flavor. Yeah. And again, these are all flavors that aren't actually flavors of the actual thing. These are just representations that became a flavor in their own right. The beef-flavored Monster Munch didn't, it tasted more like a very strange hi hybrid of Marmite and Bovril. It really wasn't yes. beef. Yeah. Great call. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of spicy brown warmth. <laughs> But not a link to any actual any actual food stuff. Um, and then the final one, which would include the part of my personality that doesn't plan very well, mm. uh, up in the treehouse, would be a pot noodle. Oh, uh, wow. it would be chicken and mushroom, obvs. Mm. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I, I'd forget I'd need a kettle, you see. So I would have forgotten that. Mm. I wouldn't have planned for that. My adventure would end early, as I died of starvation, <laughs> or like a slug by consuming the unmoistened unhydrated pot noodle crunching my way through the msg and salt hit that is a little insight and uh, i i appreciate all that and uh, yeah good call on the monster munch always monster munch um so as we uh, take our adventure into your treehouse to uh, to make a bigger adventure into the world of uh, r.a montgomery let me give you a little quote at the, at the start of the book this is a quote by a young reader aged eight called fiona wanner and fiona yep. wanner says about this book I love that I can choose if sometimes I want to take a risk or sometimes I want to be safe. Sometimes the safer choice is actually the more dangerous choice. Ooh, she I is, agree with that. Yeah, that was yeah. That Fiona Wanner, aged eight. She is a prophet. Well, she's a 53-year-old prophet now, presumably. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, let's uh, take a little step into this. Episode two of Voyage of the Page Turner. You step on board the Seeker, a small submarine built for just one occupant. You are on a once-in-a-lifetime mission to locate the legendary lost city of Atlantis. And you think you have the tools to actually find it. The Seeker is tiny, but powerful. It can travel safely into the most dangerous and unknown places in the deep sea. Places where no one has been before, and no one may ever go again. In the deep waters, there may be sharks, whales, whirlpools, and the sheer danger of diving this deep into the unknown. If you find Atlantis, you may become famous. You might decide to never to return to the Earth world above, or you might not get a chance to make that decision. Whatever happens, choose wisely. Rob, the first question I've got for you is, why are you taking this massive risk, uh, leaving the world you know, uh, it might yeah. be a you know a mission where you don't come back. What is so bad on land where you, where you feel you have to take this risk? As an expert on the myth of Atlantis, Colin, Oh. Uh, as an expert on the thing I only heard about eight seconds ago, um, <laughs> it's the untold riches that I'm expecting to find there. And also, Ooh. I'm pretty certain that when you get to Atlantis, although you've traveled underwater, you emerge in a sort of dry dock type of environment under some sort of incredible protective bubble uh, at least i think 
that's what it's going to be like. Or I might just be thinking of Star Wars Episode One uh, when they went into one of those underwater Gungan bubble things. But um, yeah, it's mainly the riches. It's worth it. Well, let's get into the story and let's see if you can last more than 15 minutes. Okay. You are a deep sea explorer searching for the lost city of Atlantis. This is your most challenging and dangerous mission. Fear and excitement are now your companions. I presume that's the the, the emotions rather than names of your actual crew. (laughs) Yeah, nice to meet you. You climb into the narrow pilot's compartment of the underwater vessel, the Seeker, with your special gear. I mean, they're, they're being very unclear what the special gear includes, but it's special anyway. The crew of the research vessel Murray screws down the hatch clamps, now begins to plunge into the depths of the ocean. The seeker crew begins lowering by a strong but thin cable. Within minutes, you are so deep in the ocean that little light filters down to you. The silence is eerie and the seeker slips deeper and deeper. You peer out the thick glass porthole and see strange white fish drifting past, sometimes stopping to look at you, an intruder into their world. The cable attaching you to the moray is extended to its limit. You have come to rest on a ledge near the canyon in the ocean floor that ancient myth says leads to the lost city of Atlantis. You have an experienced diving suit uh, designed to protect you from the intense pressure of the deep. You should be able to leave the seeker and explore the sea bottom. The new suit contains a number of the latest microprocessors enabling a variety of useful functions. It also has a built-in computer with laser communicator. Wow. You are now in another world. Remember, this is a dangerous world, an unknown world. As agreed, you signal to the Murray. All systems go. It's awesome down here, you say. Now, Rob, this is your first choice. You could decide to cut loose from the Murray and yeah. dive with the Seeker into the canyon. Or yeah. you could decide to explore the ledge where the seeker has come to rest. I'm, I'm confident. My uh, years of experience of these adventuring books suggests that uh, what we're at a place here is there's a thing they've thought of that can happen on the ledge, yes. or we can just power on down the normal pathway. And yeah. the question is, are the people that wrote this series designed for eight-year-olds like Fiona Wanna going to just kill her off for checking out the ledge for five minutes before she heads off? No, there could be something important there. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm feeling adventurous, and I'm mm. highly experienced, uh, and I'm, I'm still connected to the moray at the moment. At the so, uh, explore mm. the ledge. Your dive suit is a tight fit and takes you some time to put on. Finally, right. you slip from the airlock from the seeker and stand on the ocean floor. It is a yeah. strange and marvellous world where your every move is slowed down. A strange feeling overcomes you, part warning, part terror. Then you see it. The seeker is in the grips of a huge sea monster. Oh, no. Already? Hang on. It is similar to the squid, but it is enormous. The seeker I wonder if there's a word for one of those. <laughs> the bigger than average squid. The it's... seeker is just a toy in its long, powerful tentacles. You yeah. seek shelter behind a rock formation, knowing the spear gun you carry will be useless against this monster. It looks yeah, as though it will destroy the seeker. 
fish of all sizes huddle with you in an attempt to escape the monster. Now, Rob, you have got yeah. to make two another choice here. This has escalated. It's gone quickly, terribly badly. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you could stay hidden with the Seeker, or you could try and escape in the hope that you get rescued. Tricky. Yeah, tri- tricky. The escaping on my own mentioned being rescued, and I'm nervous because that sounds a bit mission overy. Mm. Um, mission over like I mean not not that my missions are to do with squid ovaries <laughs> to do with inseminating um, <laughs> giant squid eggs uh, my mission that sounds a bit mission ovary right. so I I'm really bricking it that I'm not gonna make the 15 minute cutoff here wow. so so one option is to talk to you for ages before making my mind up <laughs> um, I, mean, I remember I, I had a similar dilemma back in 1984. My grandfather had been unwell, and we were taking a long journey on a Trans-Siberian railway. And I forgot to my crusher from my pot noodle. Um, <laughs> let me point out also that the decision you make is going yeah. to be judged by all the fish that have congregated around you in terror yeah. of the squid. Yeah. So they're going to be making choices yeah. as well. So yes, yeah. they're making choices. They're making the same kinds of choices. I'm feeling that I'm getting hinted at, and oh. I want to stay hidden. I want to stay hidden, All watching right, well, the seeker, but not uh, trying to escape by myself. The giant squid tosses and yeah. turns the seeker, but finally the creature grows tired of its new game and jets off with an enormous squirt of water. And now, you're free to leave your hiding place and examine the Seeker for damage. Right, it seems like a good choice so far, Rob. Um, Yeah, that's cool. To your dismay, the airlock entrance has been jammed shut. You are locked out of the Seeker. The crew of the Marais, however, suspected trouble when you did not respond to the routine radio check. They are now lowering an escape platform. Once on the platform, you radio them to start the slow pull to the surface to avoid the deadly bends, rapid expansion of nitrogen bubbles in your blood. Science Um, lesson moment, kids. I know. They will have to bring you up very slowly. Just as the platform begins to move, the giant squid suddenly returns. It, It has headed directly at you. Now, Rob, you have a decision to make. You could decide to fight the squid with your spear gun, hoping to scare it off. Or you could decide to signal the Murray to pull you up at top speed, knowing that you might get the bends. Jeepers creepers, Colin. I know, I know, Rob. You didn't tell me we'd be at rock and hard place after three minutes. I'm so sorry. I I either take him on... (laughs) With the spear, I was going to call it a harpoon, but it's not. It's essentially a two-foot piece of sharpened wood, isn't it, this? It is. Which I earlier knew would be ineffective against it. Hmm. So I've got to go for it with that or risk bends. Yeah, you don't want to get oxygen levels in your blood or whatever it said. So essentially, nitrogen problems or Hmm. taking on. But the squid just seems impossible. If it threw the seeker around like like it was a toy, I wouldn't have a hope. The spear, you can't even throw a spear. You have to just poke with it underwater. Yeah. Imagine me trying to throw it and then it just drifts down. I don't like either of these. I'm bricking it. And I'm feeling it, by the way. I'm feeling the situation. Nothing else. I'm in the moment. Good. And I'm going to take a risk on the reel me in quicker approach. Because I have heard stories where, you know, oh, okay. you know, there are limits, but you can, you know, you can be reeled in relatively quickly and, and still be okay. I don't see how any of this leads to a longer adventure though, that's the other problem. I'm gonna risk the science and go for the real me in. 
as they begin the rapid hauling, you lose your ability to function in the deep. Dizziness overcomes you and your arms and legs feel weak, Rob. You lose your hold on the platform and drift in the water, exhausted. Surprisingly... Oh, you loser. Here we go. Surprisingly, yeah, go you see a dolphin <laughs> heading a right go towards on. you. There's a dolphin that's turned up now. These marvellous mammals sometimes help people in trouble. Will they help you? Now, Rob, here's your choices. You can try and yeah. get help from the dolphin, or you might, try, decide, yeah. you might yeah. decide to carry on alone, swimming to the surface. So you've got to try and uh, convince the dolphin to help you out, or swim yeah. to the surface on your own. Yeah, 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 yeah. What will you do, Voyager? I, I think in the roller coaster of risk and, and then mm. risk adversity that I've shown so far, I mm. think kind of alternating, we're going to flip the other way, flip the other way, pun intended. Yeah. We're going to ask Flipper to uh, help. So I'm going to enlist the help of the dolphin using my clicks and body language. I mean, who knew? It said you had a strong skill set for diving, but who knew that communicating with dolphins was one of them? Love it. Oh, this looks, this sounds lovely. The dolphin looks at you, oh, good. and you even imagine that he's, you even imagine that he's smiling at you. <laughs> you grab one of his flippers, yeah. and with a powerful swish of his body, the dolphin swims upward. In a short time, you break through to the surface. You blink in the bright sun. The moray is nowhere in sight. You are lost far at sea. The dolphin dives beneath the surface with you, still clinging to him. He speeds off, and within 20 minutes, you are next to the moray. The dolphin must have heard yes. the moray's engine noises underneath the water. <gasps> Once aboard, everyone congratulates you on your escape. Here's your choices after nice. the dolphin has saved you. Yep. You could decide to give up the expedition, or you could <laughs> give could, up. You could decide to dive again the next day, Rob. I mean, have you had enough, or do you want to dive again the next day? This is what it's saying. The one question I've never been asked in doing about twenty of these adventure books is just: should we just call it? <laughs> should we just, you know what I mean? Like that was a bit much, that wasn't it? Should we just, should we just go home? And you don't die. It just says you just don't want to be adventurous anymore the you end you sit down have a um, nice cup of tea <laughs> yeah. well, let, let, do let, you let's... have two sugars or one uh. well let, 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 let's go yeah. back on what's happened so far i mean you you've you've seen a giant squid Crazy. you met a dolphin i've named a giant squid yeah 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 you almost had a new uh, friendship with a dolphin which could have gone yeah very personal yeah. at one point so I mean, is it enough, or do you want to go back and try more the next day, Rob? Yeah, this is this is an obvious. Uh, get a good night's sleep. Uh, chow mein pot noodle. Uh, I think it calls for a chow mein. I think this is a bit special. And then down again tomorrow, please. You're going down tomorrow. Right, okay. Most definitely. You are definitely an adventurous person. Okay. Again, the seeker is lowered into the side of the moray and slips into the ocean. You are heading from the great canyon below that might lead to Atlantis. When you reach the canyon, you switch on the seeker's searchlight. Immediately, you spot the round hole that appears to be made by intelligent beings. Perhaps it leads to Atlantis. You pilot the seeker through the rounded entrance to a grotto 
Once inside, your searchlight picks up what appears to be a dock. The Seeker's searchlight is not very powerful. However, you do have a special laser light, which would light up the grotto like daylight. Yeah. Unfortunately, the laser light can only be used twice for very short periods because it needs to be recharged in the moray. Now, Rob, here's your choice. Do you decide to cruise further into the grotto without your laser light on? Or yeah. do you decide to illuminate it like a Christmas tree with your laser light? Did it actually say Christmas tree? No, I made that up. I okay, because it's very appropriate for the description of it as a grotto, um, <laughs> which is which is a word that I've only ever used in the context of Christmas, so much yeah. so that it forced me to check the definition, which is of a small picturesque cave, especially an artificial one in a park or garden. Oh. So, uh, so this is obviously a small, very picturesque cave, even though yeah. I'm in pitch black. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, I, I'm going to illuminate it. I've got this uh, incredible... Right cutting edge torch that like all torches can only be used twice twice <laughs> it was a laser which i love because it was written in the 70s late 70s and the laser was high tech yeah mm. and you know if you know your science a laser wouldn't do a full beam illumination like that it would just be one sort of bolt yeah. uh, so it obviously must be some kind of scanning raster kind of approach anyway <laughs> i'm going to use it and i expect to see elves The beam from your laser light illuminates the entire grotto. Far back nice. on the floor of the grotto is a submarine. <gasps> Cautiously, wow. you maneuver the seeker closer. It is the submarine that mysteriously disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle almost a year before. The Bermuda Triangle is more than 2,000 miles away. How did it get here? It doesn't appear to be damaged but it is covered in a slimy algae. Then you notice that the main hatch is free from algae. So Rob, here's your choices. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. could decide to enter the submarine, or you yeah. could decide to cruise on through the grotto and ignore the sub for now. I suspect I'm more likely to meet danger in there, but mm. at this moment, I think it's gonna be escapable danger. So I don't think it's gonna say you walk through the hatch and a massive rock falls on your head the end. I think there'll be something more that can get me out of there. And I don't want to yeah. miss a chance to get a resource that might be useful later. Right. So uh, at risk of being a bit serious with my analysis, uh, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, I'm getting into this. I'm going to, um, oh, it, does, it does feel a bit risky. If it's covered in algae as well, it's been there a while. Yeah, but it's, um, it's been there a while, but the, the hatch door isn't covered in algae. So it's definitely yeah. been used recently. Yeah, that's that did cross my mind there. I mean, um, my my hope is that um, within the submarine, I don't know by the way, but the dolphins in there waiting for you, and you just both of you just glide off into the sunset as best pals. But that, <laughs> I mean, that is in my own version, you know. Yeah, and then in the film, as the credits, it would it would just say Finn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what would happen. Um, I, I, <laughs> it feels weird to just move on and ignore the sub. I'm going in. The submarine is indeed mysterious. Opening the hatch, you enter the sub. It is amazingly clean and orderly. <laughs> there are no signs of life, but no signs of struggle or death either. Oh, that's good, because yeah, nothing in between. <laughs> I, just, I always like to check those two extremes when I walk into a room. There's no <laughs> signs of, it's very clean, but, but also no one's been killed. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ah, now this is the point in the podcast where I get to do a voice, so I'm very pleased. Okay. A voice softly speaks thousands of years ago. (laughs) That appears to be the voice I've chosen. Thousands of years ago, the (laughs) leaders of Atlantis realized that their continent was slipping into the sea. They discovered a large underground cavern and built new forms of living quarters for their people. The voice, which sounds friendly, kind of, also tells you that there are two groups of people in Atlantis. One group is thought to be good, whilst the other is seen as evil. Come join us, the voice says. You can use the secret passageway to Atlantis. It begins just over there. As you follow directions, you spy a remarkable underwater craft passing by. There are several people aboard and they smile at you. Or do they? Now, Rob, here's your choices. You yeah. could you could hurry in and try uh, and reach the secret passageway without being seen, or you could rush back to the seeker and try and escape the danger. I don't interpret anything you've just said as danger, to be honest. They were well, smiling at me, but it said, or, or were they? Which is annoying because uh, that's one of the more obvious body language <laughs> forms. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is a no-brainer now, especially as I think I've, I've beaten uh, the episode one record. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for. Um, I'm going to go for. Make, make, going for the passage. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You escape being seen by the submarine craft. Following the instructions, you enter the passageway. At the end of the passageway is an airlock door, and beyond is a large air-filled cavern. Perhaps it is the inside of an extinct volcano. A group of people approach you, making friendly gestures. They are wearing simple clothes, much like the clothes people wore in ancient Greece. You remove your diving suit to find that the air is good enough to breathe. These people speak a language that is unknown to you, but one of them acts as your interpreter. That's lucky, isn't it? That's really lucky. You find out that this is Atlantis. They tell you it is governed by a man who is very dangerous. The people are like slaves. Everyone is unhappy except the few who serve the ruler as his lieutenants. These new friends ask for your help. Perhaps you can help them to escape, Rob. Here are the choices. You could decide to leave your new friends and search for the ruler. Or you could decide to help your new friends escape. Okay. So who knew that Atlantis was going to be under some kind of uh, regime? I mean, it's just taken a turn for the sinister. Yeah, and it explains the uh, sort of almost smiles. This, this is, this is a, uh, a tricky one. This is a, this is a tricky one. Interesting, isn't it, that the trickiest ones are the ones involving people and the human dilemma. Mm. The, human, the human aspect. It's not about, you know, there's a squid, do you want to run or go for it? It's, it's kind of like, do you help this smaller group or, or go for the bigger prize and also i'm nervous about this group i'm not sure quite how much i trust them oh um why not why why are you uh doubting their sincerity it's the greek clothes no 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 it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's nothing suspicious about atlanticians in togas no um i'm really sorry colin just hit me with the exact wording one more time this is a big one this i sense you could you could decide to leave your new friends and search for the ruler Yep. Or you could decide to help your new friends escape. This is hard. Mm. <sighs> would, would the words of Fiona Wanner help you at this moment? What did she say again? What did the, what did the Wanski say? Sometimes the safe choice is actually yep. the more dangerous choice. 
That's amazing, Colin. I love how you've brought that to me. It's like a kind of, um, it's like a lifeline in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I've got, <laughs> got, I can use my torch twice or ask Colin for help based on a quote on the back of the book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Fiona's words to heart wow, wow. and I'm going to aim for the leader. Oh. It doesn't take you long to find the king. Well, that, that was a short journey, wasn't it? One of his countless agents leads you to him. So, you have found your way. <laughs> I don't know what voice I've got this time, Rob. Sorry. So, You're not sure if it's the same voice as the one we heard earlier or not. That's the problem. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, that's true. Okay, I'll make him a different, bit different. So, you have found oh. your way here after all. Put your mind at rest. I won't hurt you. The king's booming voice. Set- <laughs> Oh. I won't hurt you. The king's authoritative, <laughs> booming, masculine voice. He invites mm. you to sit down. After several hours with the king, you find him to be bright, friendly, and interesting. He wants yeah. you to be an advisor on his staff. So, that, so the, the options are clear here, Rob. Do you accept yeah. the king's offer and work for him? Or do you refuse and go back to join the other people? Jeepers, mate. This is tricky. I know. I've I've had tea and pot noodle with King Kim Jong Un yes. for a couple of hours. <laughs> yes, found him to be very pleasant, very pleasant. He, apparently, he he asks if I want to work for the Workers Party. Mm. So it's a question of do I kind of try and learn more about him and his organisation and kind of infiltrate from within, or just get back to the smaller mission of helping that half a dozen Help, people? Helping I wanna, the other people in togas, yeah. Yeah, I want to I want to I, I want to press on. I, I think. It only took me one decision to find the king in 48 seconds. So I think a lot could happen if I try and infiltrate deeper. So I want to uh, take, accept his offer. You're going to accept the offer and work for the king? Oh, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I am worried hmm. that this is going to end up with a, this is going to be an ending point where it's just going to say, hmm. yeah, you have a sort of slightly satisfying and slightly miserable life serving the king until you die. <laughs> Well, that would be uh, nice for a children's book aged to eight to ten years, wouldn't it? That'd be good nice. point. Yeah. Good point. I'm worried that it's not going to say what happens as we walk down the corridor, but it's going to suddenly jump and t- in, in talk in terms of years. Going back and helping the people. No, I want to go deeper. Yep, yep. I want to work for him. You're going to work for the king. Like I said, yep. I don't know either of the routes, so let's turn and find out, Rob. Oh, uh, yeah, it's going to end. An advisor to the king. What a chance. Maybe the king has ruled so long that he is out of touch with the people. Perhaps as his advisor, you could help the people get what they want. You are appointed the king's special advisor. You immediately call general meetings to all the people to discuss the food program and to work on their schedules. (laughs) The king is so glad to have someone else to take over the problem that he leaves it in your hands entirely. He gives you land and a large salary. You set up new programs and schedule the people in planning work. You listen to their complaints and their ideas. Life under the sea is rich and full. The people are hardworking and good. It was a worthwhile decision to remain. That's your end, Rob. That's amazing. (laughs) So what started as a small submersible dipping into the sea ended up with me kind of 
taking over the Chinese Communist Party or something very much yeah. like it. I don't know what just happened to me. It suddenly turned into a sort of political manifesto, and I'm I'm thinking, what messages was the author trying to get across here? Well, I think I think I think what happened is you brought just a new point of view to this yeah. king and. And in the in the end, you save the day, Rob. I mean, you did have work schedules, which sound a little bit like yeah. uh, some kind of work camp, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, you, I think you gave them all a good life. So well done, you, Rob. I think you saved everyone in a certain way. I never thought this book would have an ending where I don't know if I've won or not. Well, I mean, the final words in your particular page was it Go was on. a good decision to remain. So I think you're happy. You're happy. I mean, it mentioned the high salary, which you know, I did, I did, I did go for this because of the riches, but I'm not sure where I can spend that salary. Yeah, that's right. I don't what, know what, what am I going to do with that. What shops are there in Atlantis? It's just going to be like snorkelware, isn't it? I, I suppose they should. They'll definitely have a subway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, and definitely a, a, a cafe Nero. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And that's the only two I can yeah, think of right this second, but they're pretty good, so I'll leave it there. Rob, that was your adventure, and I'm and I'm pleased. Uh, it was it was very eventful. It was uh, amazing. What was the name of the book? That is uh, book two in the Choose Your Own Adventure series, Journey Under the Sea. Just makes it sound like a little Jack Cousteau, you know, fighting off a shark. It turns into this ideological twenty-year. Change program. Yeah, I, I've thought of a better name. It should be called the. It should be called the Moray Dilemma. <laughs> oh, nice. The Moray Dilemma. Dilemma. That's what it should be called. Very nice. Well, anyway, well, thank you for joining me, Rob. I, I think we learned a lot about Atlantis and about how you would uh, overthrow a dictatorship. So, so um, we we're all winners. I mean, the squid didn't really. The squid. Benefit. I tell you who I feel sorry for, which I, I think you and the dolphin had a friendship yeah. going just in that moment, and I feel that he's he wanted to become you know friends with you, and and that never happened. So, so that's sad. Well, before we say goodbye to you, Rob, let me just uh, remind people that they can get in touch with the show if they want to. Uh, on Twitter, we are Page Turner Show. That's at Page Turner Show. Uh, or again, if you want to email, we are voyageofthepageturner at gmail.com. Yeah, get in touch. Tell us uh, if you're a bit like Rob, you would join forces with the underwater regime and basically uh, create a dictatorship underwater or whether you would just go and help some people in togas. Thank you, Rob. Um, li listen, uh, if people want to find out a bit more about uh, you as a person when you're not attacking giant squid, where would we be able to find you in the real world, not in the sea world? Yeah, so in the online world, um, yeah. I mean, in the real world, you'd have to come to Cullingworth in West Yorkshire. Oh, but uh, in the online world, yeah, I've got a website, www.robbyt.co.uk. So that's mm. R-O-B-B-Y-T. Mm. And uh, that's for all my comedy stuff. So you can see what uh, all the gigs I have upcoming which is none of them uh, due to COVID. Uh, but when they do start happening, you can see that. And you can watch videos of me in action and think about booking me and so on for your event if you want to. Uh, I am an award-winning comedian, as you said. And the beauty of being able to say you're an award-winning comedian is that you can say that whether you've won 11 or 1. Uh, and it's 1, but it's a good one, uh, the UK Punch Championship, uh, which, uh, which Colin knows everything about as well. 
Um, and then on Twitter, it's at Rob L-A-V-S. So Rob Lavs, R-O-B-L-A-V-S. Long story. Good. Thank you, Rob. Well, I think the only thing left to do is to work out who's bringing the Monster Munch and who's bringing the pot noodle. And I'll see you in about 10 minutes in your treehouse. Voyage of the Page Turner featured the books of author R.A. Montgomery, hosted by Colin Lego, featuring special guest Rob Thomas, voiceover by Sam Thomas, produced by Colin Lego. Special thanks to Aunt McGinley. Until we meet next time, remember, choose wisely. Thank you.